Father, may the words of our mouth today and the meditation of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was a teenager growing up in uh, Seward, Nebraska, I remember spending some time with some older relatives who knew about my interest in being a pastor someday. And uh, one of them asked me what I thought I'd want to do if I would ever be a pastor. And I said, well, actually, I had thought of what I considered to be the perfect church. And here's what I described as my perfect church. First of all, they would have all services at night. There would be no more of this 8 o'clock in the morning stuff. And second of all, they would have a rocking good band. And you have to say, is rocking good, what I understood it to be in the 1960s, a rocking good band, and they would play only songs that I liked. And third, there would never be any announcements ever, never, ever, no announcements in that service. Fourth, the preacher would be a brilliant communicator. In fact, and I want to remind you, this was the 1960s, I suggested you could even get a movie of a good pastor and play it on the screen and just watch it. And fifth, the church would have only one service every week. People would come and they would sing and they would worship and they would pray and they would tithe and then they would go home until the next weekend. You wouldn't have all of those meetings, you wouldn't have any committees, you wouldn't have any projects, you wouldn't have any small groups, you wouldn't have any Sunday school or adult Bible class or women's Bible classes or vacation Bible school, you wouldn't have any work days and on and on and on. You'd just have really great worship once a week and that would be it. Now, I had this idea about 50 years ago and I want to say a couple of things about that. Number one, I was 14 or 15 at the time, and I had a lot of goofy ideas back then. That's one thing I'll tell you. Second, today there are some churches that actually seek to implement that model I described over 50 years ago. They put all of their energy into having what I would call a great show once a week with music and lights and video and stage sets and drama and pyrotechnics, but that's about all they do. You kind of come, you sit back, you watch it, maybe you sing along if you kind of know some of the words, but you're kind of a part of a big crowd and you don't really know anybody and you don't really talk to anybody and and then when it's over, you kind of walk out, and maybe you come back, and maybe you don't. And if you don't, I mean, who's, who's going to know? Who's going to really care? Now, please understand what I am saying and what I am not saying. I am not saying that big churches are bad. I am not saying that well-planned and well-executed worship services are wrong. I am not saying that by a long shot. But what I am saying is this, it's not enough. Those kinds of churches that operate that way, it's not enough. A big celebration where people come in, get lost in the crowd, never ever connect with anybody there on a personal level and then leave maybe all by themselves, this is not what the church was designed to be. And you know what, every large 
I can say every large pastor. Uh, I guess that would include me. Every pastor of every large congregation that I know would tell you exactly the same thing. That's why these large churches, and I know my son and my daughter and daughter-in-law and grandson belong to a very large church in, in the Dallas area. And I know that Pastor Ed there would say, you know, that's why we consistently try to build community in our churches, whether we use it called small groups or home teams or small ministries, whether we have our, whatever kind of groups they are. Now let me take, go you back, take you back to my relative. When I told my relative what my five-point plan was for the perfect church, uh, to say that he didn't think much of it is an understatement. In fact, I can remember exactly what he said. He said straight out, you're nuts. And then he added, and I hope that you will never, ever become a pastor. Ha! <laughs> Too bad. Because <laughs> here I am, almost 25 years later. But let me tell you what I have learned since then. And it's backed up by what we heard Nancy read today from 1 Thessalonians 2. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, that there is a sense in the Christian life in which you are on your own. I mean, you are responsible for you, and no one else is. Your mother and father cannot accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for you. I don't care how godly your grandma or grandpa is, they are not going to receive Jesus on your behalf. No one can make a decision other than you to come to Jesus. No one else besides you can make the decision to grow in the Christian life. Neither can you blame anyone else for any sin you ever commit, even though we hear a lot of people do it. Oh, so-and-so made me do it. No, they didn't. You chose to do it. Cut it out already. All I'm saying is you are responsible for you, and you are the only person responsible for you. It's your responsibility to grow in the Lord. It's your responsibility to seek God. It's your responsibility to confront sin. And it's your responsibility to accomplish something worthwhile in God's kingdom in his name. But, and there's always a but coming here, isn't there? You also need to understand that that job is way too big for you to do it all by yourself. You need help. And that's where this body of Christ, this is where the church comes in. God has chosen to put his Christ followers in these groups of people, whether they are small groups or large groups in these churches, so that we could strengthen one another, so that we could encourage one another, so we could help one another. Now, in my watching of people, people tend to swing from one extreme to the other extreme. They either try to do everything all by themselves without any help from anyone, or they kind of dump all of their responsibility of their lives onto somebody else or onto the church or onto the pastor and kind of say, here, you take care of me, it's your job now. I tell you, nothing galls me more sometimes to hear that people leave a church because they say, I wasn't being fed. Oh, come on, folks, grow up. It's your responsibility to feed yourself. You've got to grow up sooner or later. Part of your responsibility. I've got to tell you, no matter which way you swing to those extremes, both are wrong. 
the proper balance is to understand that you are responsible for you and in order to be fully responsible <clears throat> for you you need to make sure that if you are a Christian that you gather together with other Christians who provide you with the proper Christian support system. I remember hearing a story once about a little boy who was trying to fix his own bicycle and that chain had gotten off the sprockets and you know I had that happen in the past some of you know he's trying to get that chain back on all those gears just the right way and that's a really hard thing to do and while he was struggling with it his daddy was sitting on the front porch watching him and finally the boy just kind of stood up and he said daddy I, I can't do it I have done everything I can do but I cannot fix my bicycle and the dad said have you asked me for help? The boy said, no. And the dad said, well, then you haven't done everything that you can do. I think I could draw an analogy to our Christian life there. We find ourselves in a big mess, and we try to do everything we can to unfix that mess, except for what? Talk to our daddy and ask him for help. And maybe sometimes our daddy in heaven says, that's why I put you in this body of believers, because there are people there that I want to be my hands and my feet and my eyes and my mouth and my ears and my tongue. See, that's kind of the balance. It's good and it's even healthy that you want to do things on your own, but every person needs to understand that in order to succeed on your own, you can't do that apart from being attached to your heavenly father. It's really difficult to do that apart from your attachment to a body of believers. See a couple of Bible passages up here from Galatians chapter 6. Paul says in 6 verse 2, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's part of it. But look at this next verse. Three verses later he says, For each one should carry his own load. I mean, there's the balance again. You need to be strong in Christ. You need to strive for that independence in the Lord. You need to carry your own weight, but you also need to be a part of a Christian community where you're lending a hand to another person, and another person is lending a hand <clears throat> to you. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul talked about the spirit of community that existed within this church. And I think it can apply to us today, too. It's the same kind of community that each of us should seek to be a part of. And that's because the church is not just a group of people who come and park in a pew on a Sunday morning and sing a few songs and listen to a little sermon and put a few bucks in the plate and walk out. That's not what church is. In fact, one of my good friends says that the church is what, what is still there after the building burns down. And believe me, there are some churches the building ought to burn down so they understand who they really are. Just a thought. But don't blame me if it burns down. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying it might teach us a lesson as to what church is really about. It's a community. It's a team. It's a family. It is a body. It's a collection of interconnected pieces. You know, if, if we have this picture of the body and the, and the head of it is Christ, the rest of us are all part of it. We are a living organism. We are not some sort of structured machine. 
a living, breathing, functioning organism. Now, hardly a, a week goes by that I don't talk to someone or hear from someone who's had a bad experience in a church. It's a shame, but let's not kid ourselves. In fact, sadly, some churches do not provide their people with a good environment for spiritual growth. In fact, to be rather blunt, some churches literally chew people up and spit them out. Now, I'm not here to tell war stories this morning or name names or point fingers because my primary concern is what? It's called First Lutheran Church. You are my primary concern. And my primary concern is that we as Christians, we who have come to know Jesus, would provide the right atmosphere for other people and our own people to not only come to know the good news of Jesus Christ, but that when they come here and find Jesus as Savior and Lord, that they would also find the strength and the encouragement and the support to continue to build strong Christian lives for themselves. So with that being said, let's take a very quick look here at 1 Thessalonians 2. I think there are three things that we as Christ followers need to strive to become as the body of Christ. Three things I think you, can, you need to learn to contribute to other people around. Here's the very first one, and that is to strive to be gentle with one another. Let's go back to the text. Paul says in verse 7, We were gentle among you like a mother caring, caring for her little children. Now, the New International Version of the Bible doesn't really capture this, but the phrase here literally refers to a mother nursing her baby. Now, can you imagine a scene more tender or a scene more gentle or more nurturing than a mother feeding her child? Paul says, that's the way we were with you. And friends, that's the way we need to be with one another. I talked to a friend of mine not long ago who had decided to go to a men's Bible study. One of the first times, finally decided to go. And in the midst of that Bible study, he shared a personal problem with the group. And in response, the Bible study came down really hard on him. Uh, they said, well, you brought this problem on yourself because you did this and this. And he walked away really beat up. And when he talked to me, he said, you know, I know I'm not perfect. He said, but it would have been really nice if somebody there would have had a little comfort and a little compassion along with the correction. He said, I didn't mind being corrected, but somebody could have been nice about it. See, following the example of Jesus, and that's what you and I are called to do, to follow the example of Jesus, we need to be gentle with one another. Gentle in our meetings, gentle in our Bible studies, gentle in our work projects, Gentle, whenever we come together, we need to take care of one another. When you think about the wonderful example Jesus gives us, our great shepherd, to take care of us. I mean, just go back and read Psalm 23. He makes us lay down by, on the green pastures and takes us where the waters are not troubling, where he, where he guards us and guides us. We need to be those kind of people for others as well. Here's the second thing. Let's strive to encourage one another. Paul says, we were like a mother among you. Then in verse 12 he said, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. 
encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Now, we put a lot of different messages out on our church sign. This week it says Vacation Bible School. I've already given uh, Eddie our next church sign. It's going to pop up in a week. Uh, and it, we put those messages out there to maybe have people stop and think about something for a minute. I don't know that we really put anything out there on the sign and expect people to drive by and go, Oh my gosh, yes, Jesus, I'm yours. Although if that were to happen, we'd say praise the Lord. But there are all kinds of messages I wish that we could somehow deliver to people. And I think one of the best ways to deliver that is when you are out in this community one-on-one, -on -one, or whether it's tonight at Vacation Bible School or at the adult prayer time, whether it is in a large group gathering, whether you're in your choir or you're in handbells or whether you're in youth group or whether you're sitting here in church, I think one of the messages that I'd like us to communicate to each other, you could say in four words, you can do it. I think that's important for us to be able to tell people from time to time, you can do it. Or if you want four other different words, I will help you. Or if you like another one, you know, I believe in you. I mean, that's what God has done for us in Jesus, isn't it? God has looked at us and said, friend, you can do it. You, I, I can help you do it. God says to us all the time, I believe in you. And I just encourage you to be in a community atmosphere where you hear that message. To seek out people who know how to encourage you in the name of Jesus. Who know how to comfort you in the name of Jesus. Who need, know how to urge you to be all that you can be in the name of Jesus. And more importantly, it's just to be that kind of person right here as well. I don't know if this, it might be up on the screen, it's in your outline. William Ward said, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will never forget you. I hesitate to say this, but I gotta say it, friends. First Lutheran Church is not a perfect church. I hope that doesn't alarm any of you. First Lutheran is not a perfect church. And uh, I don't think we really pretend to think it is. Everything is not all rosy here. But the truth of the matter is that we worship and that we serve a God whose power knows no limits, whose mercy knows no limits, who whose love will never end. And the world that you and I find ourselves in may be a rotten place, and you might be struggling today with some really difficult stuff. But I want you to never, ever lose sight of the fact that God can turn any situation around. God can give you victory over any besetting sin that may be plaguing your life. God can enable you to live your life in victory and liberty and freedom and joy. God can do it. Just plain simple. Pauline led something last night in prayer, and we were to say something about God. God is, I think it was. And people added a lot of different things. I, I got to tell you, I probably should have said it, but I was trying to let everybody else have a turn. But every time I ever think about that phrase, it reminds me of one of the great things I've learned about God, and it's this. God is God, and I am not. And I'm so very thankful for that, that God is just simply God. And that's a message that we have that we can take to other people that would encourage them as we encourage one another in the name of Jesus. Somewhere in the Bible it talks about how iron sharpens iron. I also know that when iron sharpens iron, 
sparks fly. I have a feeling in the next five days of vacation Bible school, iron will sharpen iron once or twice. Sparks may fly. But what do we do? We love one another, and we encourage one another in the name of Jesus. There's a third thing. And I, I think about vacation Bible school being this. It, we, we really need to strive to enjoy one another. I mean, God has put us here on this earth to enjoy what he's given us and to enjoy the people around us. He wants our fellowship to be full of life and joy and happiness. David, in Psalm 131, uh, said how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Uh, listen to this section again from, from 1 Thessalonians. Paul said, starting in verse 17, But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. See, Paul was simply saying to this group of people, we just like, we just like you. We just like being with you. Uh, we enjoy your company. You mean everything to us. And I think when you understand that that's the way God feels about you, and somewhere in the Bible it says that God delights in us. When's the last time anybody ever delighted in you? When's the last time you ever delighted in somebody else? Let me say, wow, that was really good pie. I, I, oh, I delight in this. We delight in one another as well. That's why I want our church to be able to say those kinds of things to each other, to enjoy each other's company, to have a good laugh, to have a smile, to have fun, to celebrate, to be in fellowship with one another. Why? Because we have seen what our God has done for us. Let me tell you, just kind of not an aside, but if you don't, if you have, this morning you have no idea what whatsoever I'm talking about, maybe it's because Jesus is not there yet. Could be. That's why it's very important that you settle that issue, whether it's today. Well, in fact, you shouldn't say whether. Say today. Today could be the day of your salvation. To say, you know, this is the kind of thing I want in my life. I want Jesus in my life. Because I, I, want, to be, I want to be loved by someone. I want to be able to encourage someone. I want to be able to, to enjoy someone, even as I'm experiencing that from my Father in heaven. I know that's what God wants for his people. I know that's what God wants for every last one of you. It's what we need to strive together to build. I mean, the idea of a rugged individualist is a myth. I mean, there are no, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. I mean, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Um, you know, if you want to develop character, if you want to be like a rock, that's what this series is called, like a rock, strong, determined, unshakable, then you need to immerse yourself into a community of like-minded people. Other people who are walking in the same direction as you, who are all marching towards the cross and beyond. I mean, I would hope that we would be able to describe this church here as that kind of place. I'd also tell you that if this were not that kind of place, I would pray that you would be an agent of change to make it that kind of place. That's the way it ought to be. So my challenge to all of you, maybe just a reminder to all of us as fellow believers in Jesus Christ, 
Let's be gentle with one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's enjoy each other's company. After all, we're all in this together. And what we're all in together is called what? The body of Christ. We need to help one another to be strong, like a rock, in our walk with Jesus. May God grant it for his son's sake. Amen.